slow down, never be in a hurry. You'll miss the best parts in life. Marlene Dietrich. He's kind of crazy. She's a little insane. Keeping Kennedy really messes with his brain. One is divorced. The other's husband is dead. That's why it's so messed up in the head. It's a Silver Linings Playcast. Hello, everybody, and oh, welcome yeah. to the Silver Linings Playcast. I'm your host, Jamie Ward. This is episode number four, the second of a two-part interview that I did with my fellow Future TV writer, Nick Cassano. In the last episode, we were talking about the 85th Academy Awards, the Academy Awards that Silver Linings Playbook was up for, nominated in five categories, winning in one. And our interview ran so long that I had to split it up into two episodes because I don't want them going much more over than an hour. I'm a pretty amateur podcast, considering that that was only my third time recording the podcast. So the the cut is a little sloppy. We were mid-question, and I think it was such a great little riff on the Batman films, which I'm a big fan of, that we actually rewind for about 30 seconds in the second part. But uh, once you make it through that, we've got all fresh content this week, and it's a great, fun interview. So buckle up, and we will get back uh, to our regularly scheduled program that is already in progress. But I, th- I th- you know, as a, as a true Batman fan, I think everybody's brought their a different take and a different read on it. There's been lots of different comic interpretations. There's lots of different Batman timelines. So, like, they all exist. You can pick your favorite one. Uh, you know, I love the Tim Burton ones. That's sort of what I always think of as Batman. Um, oh, the Burton ones are incredible. But the other ones but exist. You know, they're like incredible it's... for their own reason. Mm-hmm. I like. I, I'm. I'm in a weird position where I'm not one of those people who want all movies to turn into Marvel movies. But I would be kind of okay if every movie was a Batman movie. Yep. I I I totally agree. Silver linings, Batman. So... Well, hey, I'm gonna t- I'm gonna lift the uh, the curtain behind how podcasting works and tell you that I am going to wrap up this episode right now. But if you were game to keep talking, uh, we can keep going. But I'm going to sign off so that I can edit this and make it seem like a different episode. Okay. Do you want to do um, best picture before yeah. we wrap? Um. I actually meant to do this like seven minutes ago. So <laughs> I'm running over. Uh, you know what? Okay. So this is where indecisivity kills things. I, we, if, if I had not even done that declaration and we had just shot up to best picture, this all could have seemed normal. And now I've made something that I think was going pretty smooth for a third outing. First one with a guest. And I've just brought it to a screeching halt. <laughs> Okay, so first of all, all of this should stay in there. Oh, it so is. Let's just imme- it is. Yeah. It is. So now let's. So best picture this year. I'll go ahead and read them. Uh, <laughs> starting with Zero Dark Thirty, with uh, Catherine Bigelow coming off of her win the year before mm-hmm. for uh, uh, the uh, Hurt Locker, where beating her ex-husband James Cameron in the year that Avatar took a lot of uh, different awards, which yep. is always one of my favorite things in the world to know, um, and very pro woman about that particular moment in Hollywood history. Mm-hmm. Silver Linings Playbook uh, did not win. A um, lot of movies in here, there, you know, are. you can argue that uh, uh, could have won. Silver Linings Playbook being one of them, Zero Dark Thirty being one of them. Lincoln uh, by uh, uh, Steven Spielberg. Uh, Life of Pi 
with Ang Lee, Les Miserables, uh, Django Unchained, Beast of the Southern Wild, Amour, and Argo. Argo being the mm-hmm. winner. Ben Affleck and George Clooney both getting Oscars for it. Ben Affleck uh, not getting nominated for Best Director, even though the uh, movie wins Best Picture, mm-hmm. which is uh, kind of a slap in the face for any director to uh, not be <laughs> nominated. Like, I can understand, yeah. you know, certain moments where, like, um, with uh, Alfonso Cuaron winning for Gravity and Gravity not being Best Picture because it way wasn't, but it was such a technical achievement, you kind of had to give him the credit. Yep. Um, but uh, to to have a movie, like, what are you saying exactly about that movie that it's every element about it is the best thing, but the guy who was in charge of making sure every element was the best doesn't deserve recognition at all? Pretty much. You know, it's it, I, it's kind of like uh, my take on the New England Patriots football team prior to Tom Brady leaving. But you know what? I got to give it to the team. I'll say they won their championships. They did everything they needed to do. Good coaching. I just, I'm just going to say, though, if they had a different quarterback, I believe they would have gotten the same results. Me personally. I realize that doesn't sound like an educated sports opinion, but uh, I am going to stand by it. So you're saying more like, like anybody could, like, it, because of the – uh, um, the script and the actors involved and the uh, other producers like Clooney mm-hmm. and uh, Grant Heslow that basically anyone could have directed that movie to be Best Picture. Pretty much. Yeah, it would have gotten a lot of help. They, they definitely wouldn't have had it as hard uh, as they could. You know, and I'll say that like, like in saying that Bill Belichick and Robert Kraft are the architects of the success of the New England Patriots. Um, Brady is just the piece that got put in there. He got lucky. Uh, which, which, you know what? And if there was going to be a movie about him, you could have Ben Affleck play him. Oh, right? Ben Affleck could totally play Tom. It would be a Tom. To- uh, that is a, that is a, there's no question. Yeah. And they sort of had to say, anyway, I'm not, I'm not trying to be bitter or like bring up, uh, sports controversies, but I'm, that's, that's sort of what I'm, I'm saying about that situation. Um, you know, the funny thing too, though, the fact that one, I don't, I don't even know why I'm giving this hate. Ben Affleck I, d- I don't hate him and in fact I think he's actually uh, almost done better I almost like him more as a behind the scenes guy uh, I, th- I think he took a couple roles that I didn't really like or I thought maybe he, d- he did some sort of easy performances um, I don't know uh, I'm sort of Digging, digging myself a hole that I don't even know where it's going. <laughs> well, yeah, you know. I'm kind of surprised as well because, I mean, Affleck's a Boston guy. You're a Boston guy. Um, that's all I got. You know, it's, it's just it's just I want his... his. Okay, so here's the weird thing, right? I feel like he's one of those guys that sounds like he's doing a fake Boston accent in movies where he's acting like he's from Boston when he is from Boston, Right. Because and maybe that's because it's like he gets into acting mode or something. Okay, you know what? I'm like gonna get like he, like he's so used to acting that he's gotten rid of the Boston accent. So when he has to play Boston, mm-hmm. he's trying to play Boston while probably have having a Boston accent. So you know, what? I'm gonna get like super. If Tim honest Blake with Nelson you. tried to do a Southern accent, that man can do anything. That's true. That man could have won. Uh, the that champ- man is a national Super treasure. Bowl. He, if they had put he, him, if they had put him in the quarterback spot on the New England Patriots with Bill Belichick, Tim Blake Nelson <laughs> directed Argo, he would have yeah. not only been nominated but beaten Angley. I believe so. <laughs> um, 
Yeah. So, so no, I'm... So, this is what the deal is with me and Ben Affleck, right? So, I think this is so petty and ridiculous and personal, it's embarrassing that I, I almost don't want to tell it to you, but... Um, one of my best friends, and I'm just pretending like this is a super secret public podcast, right? So I'm trying to remember this. I could be wrong, but I feel like I watched Goodwill Hunting when I was younger, but I was like an aspiring film student, right? I thought I was going to go into movies, and I watched it. I'm like, oh, wow, this is a really great movie, and it's so cool because these two buddies, Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, it's like they, they made this movie, right? And in that movie... Um, I mean, okay, so honestly, they're both handsome leading men. But in my mind, because Matt Damon's character was a student, I was like, oh, he's like the brainiac who's being rewarded, and the other guy's like the tough, handsome guy from Boston. So I, so I had watched this movie as a kid and thought like, oh, I, because I'm an unattractive, and I thought like my intellect was the better of if anything is good about me. And it's like Matt Damon was my inspiration, my hero in that movie. And then I saw this other guy who was like the dumb jock best friend. And like, oh, you're going to go on to also make amazing movies and be a leading man actor. Like, um, it just crushed my hope of ever being attractive as a little fat kid. And so none of these feelings have anything to do with any professional opinions. I just should have not eaten as many hot dogs as a kid. I'm sure Ben Affleck is a wonderful man or something, an actor. But because uh, I was a fat I'm, kid, I'll James, never I'm, appreciate I'm, him. Jay, I'm really sorry. The feed cut out for a minute or two. What, what were you, you saying? Oh, man. Are you going to I'm going to have to redo the whole <laughs> no, traumatizing no, story. <laughs> no, I will say that. No, in fact, I think too many people have a, I, I probably identified exactly what mm -hmm. you just said because, yeah, uh, you know, Damon was the was the was the geek of the group and mm -hmm. felt outcast because of it. But it turns out that that's what made him special I all know. along, which is so weird. Whenever you say that about Goodwill Hunting, because it's so not that movie. But when you really think about it, it really yeah. is. It's just like, oh yeah, it's okay to be smart. Yeah, a <laughs> boy's wicked smart. And uh, but yeah, that's that is that that is that movie. It's like, oh, you can be smart. Mm -hmm. You can do great things, even if you're smart. I know, and it doesn't. And, and apparently. Also, being uh, the nerdy, smart guy in Hollywood terms also means you're handsome enough to be the lead in every other movie you're in for the rest of your career, too. So, <laughs> what's, what's so weird is, like, yeah, that, that dichotomy of Affleck and Damon. Mm -hmm. Because post that, I mean, they both, you know, did Kevin Smith movies, mm -hmm. which they were always fun to see in Kevin Smith movies. And then um, uh, Affleck goes on this trajectory of a lot of trying to be an artist mm -hmm. so bad. And uh, Damon started kind of doing that with like talented Mr. Ripley and a mm -hmm. couple of other, you know, Bagger Vance and whatnot. But then, you know, really steamrolled into like blockbuster action. It became Jason Bourne. And that yeah. was just, he was uh, born in Ocean's 11 and like you had mm -hmm. the oceans movies with them doing that number. And, uh, and Affleck kept going further and further into like art mm -hmm. and like trying to be like the, the, you know, remake heat with the town and, uh, you know, trying to stick with that kind of Boston thing, which is like very, like very admirable. 
it, it feels like we're like confusing the reactions we would normally have in that scenario where it is like if Nicolas Cage goes into action movies, we're just like, what's wrong with you? Go back to art. And then, but with Matt Damon, we're just like, yeah, Matt Damon, I know. we love you. It's ben Affleck does exactly what we want where it's like, go to art movies and, and be a, be a real artist. And he's like, I'm, tr I'm fucking trying here. <laughs> and, uh, and no one cares. It's, You're just like, no, we don't like you. Go away. And he's like, fine, I'll direct. And it's like, okay, well, we won't nominate you. But we'll let your movie win. Yeah, this all has to do with when I saw, when I saw it as an impressionable, however old a 27-year-old now would have been when Goodwill Hunting came out. Because you're right, everything you said, like, all personal feelings aside, I actually sort of respect Affleck's trajectory and choices completely. Um, with, with, yeah, like, sort of the direction he wanted to go and what he's tried to do on both sides and uh yeah and actually i like you know that might explain it actually maybe that's what it is it's like he's doing all the things mm -hmm. that most art film people want to do but you kind of want damon to have done that or maybe we like damon because he's not treading that ground that he's like you know what i'm gonna just go off and do oh, yeah. you know be the, be the actor that you want to direct one day Mm -hmm. And Affleck's like, I'm going to live your dream for you. And we're like, no, Affleck, don't. Yeah. <laughs> like, actually, and that might be the difference, too, between somebody that's like an aspiring, you know, filmmaker or something and then somebody who just enjoys it. There's plenty of aspiring filmmakers, but there's definitely way more people that just watch movies and want to go do something else. You know, probably still entertainment, but... Um so I've got, I've got another aside that ties into a story I told the last episode, too. I... I was making fun of my mom for a second, but I'm actually realizing uh, this probably runs in our family, even though that I'm adopted. Um, I, I've always wanted to watch The Town. I still haven't watched The Town start to finish. And, and I forget why, but it's for some reason I started watching it one day after I had been working very hard. I might have been in the army or something. And I was falling asleep while watching it. So I only woke up during a few parts and every time I'd wake up was was during like one of the relationship dynamic scenes and so I totally missed all the heist elements so when when I woke up in one of from one of those like s sleep dazes where it's like you you think you watched a movie and you didn't I kept thinking oh that was like a sweet romance film <laughs> with no idea about anything else that was in it yeah, I'm sure there was a there's a town involved, yeah. I believe. That's um, the deer hunters. So yeah, that was yeah. <laughs> That's so exactly. Did you tell your mom that you watched a movie that made you think of her called The Town? <laughs> yeah, I should. Dude, that that would be the. Uh, oh okay, yeah. So nobody, none of the nuns of people listening, but uh, like the way you and I and. And our friends always have jokes about where, where we sort of like make off film references. I think that's gonna that's gonna be the new thing. It's like, oh, you remember you remind me of this movie, and then we pick something that, that sort of like our Annie Hall yeah. quote or a more. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm seeing a more so nominated. I'm surprised I have not seen this movie, and yet, uh, yeah. Oh, okay. Very last note as mm -hmm. far as these. Um, I'm so happy that the only thing Skyfall won is uh, um, sound editing and uh, music mm -hmm. because uh, uh, I hate that movie. I might be in the f s very small minority that hates Skyfall and as far as a Bond movie. Are you a fan of I, Bond films? I like them fine. 
Like, I mean, I okay. loved Casino Royale. Um, uh, most of the Craigs, uh, you know, Goldeneye. Yeah, Daniel Craig's been um, a, a great James Bond. I've really enjoyed his run. Uh, you Brosnan. didn't like Skyfall, Skyfall, huh? I did not like Skyfall because but, Skyfall and it's everything about Skyfall is it, like tailor made for me to like it. It seemed I'm fine with you your had, call though. That one was unsettling for me. It left a bad well, taste in my mouth, but I don't felt, know why. So if you me, can tell me, felt, tell me, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll tell you my my theory on the case. Mm-hmm. Because, like, like I said, everything else is, is there. You have Craig coming off of, like, Casino Royale and uh, probably another Bond movie. Like, one of those, like, this day always does something. Mm-hmm. Like, Saturday never happens or some kind of <laughs> weird Bond title. Yeah. And um, then, you know, Craig is doing great. You had Javier Bardem, I, know. I think, as the villain I in know. that one. You have Adele doing the soundtrack, which is why I'm glad that she got recognized for that, because Skyfall, the song, yeah. is, is, is fun, um, as far as, like, a Bond intro. But the only thing I remember from that movie is them beating the theme to death, which is, can't teach an old dog new tricks. Yeah. And it just, it was just like, Bond's old and he's irrelevant. And then they can't, like, every scene was just back and forth between, like, you know, Bond can't, Bond should hang it up, Bond's, like, out of touch. And it, the whole movie almost seemed like a commercial for James Bond still being relevant. And yeah. that's the part I hated. I was just like, there's, you you know, from like all the product placement of the old Bond car, and it's like, I can, st- you know, I can still pull it off kind of a deal. And just like every element, it just was like, just so, it felt very much like kind of shoved down my throat, that particular theme. And I'm just like, okay, I get it. I I bought a ticket because I liked Bond. Mm-hmm. I never felt this way about him. But now you're making me feel like it's old. It it, it, it felt like an like someone writing a Bond script yeah. that was just that wrote the original Bond script it was like, I'll tell you about James Bond. He's not a <laughs> he's not a snowflake like you. It felt like being yelled at my dad about Trump for two hours, and I was just like, I don't care for this particular movie. But that song was really nice. Yeah. Okay. So that's that's very valid. I think that um, now that you're saying that, I do think they really sort of uh, took that theme that they had going on and did it too much. And um, it's so I I really one of the things I liked so much about Daniel Craig's run as James Bond is that I think they did they did take some big swings with the franchise on this one. I mean, it, different actors. They've ta- there's there's been some different iconic films where they've taken a big role um i'm forgetting the one uh the name of it i think tomorrow never dies or die another day one of them but uh, the one with uh, where halle berry um was with pierce yeah, brosnan jinx yeah, yeah that was like a sort of um oh we're you know we're trying to be a little progressive in this franchise uh when daniel craig started and they they sort of rebooted it with um they sort of uh, had an interesting dynamic with, with I mean, just the, the Casino Royale and stuff. Um, so so what you're saying with them trying to have this bigger theme, and I think Bond films have sort of almost been like every other one or every every two ones uh, have been bad or something. And this one, they were just shooting for like, oh, let's put a deep theme in it. And that we were due for just a fun one. Uh, yeah. And they, they went heavy. But us. the thing about the th- the th- like the thing about the theme that they just one they kept coming back to it, mm-hmm. which you know you appreciate, but it wasn't subtle. 
And that was the part that was just like, whenever you start, whenever you recognize the theme early on, and then you still have another hour and a half of the movie, yeah. and every sequence is just reinforcing that theme. And the theme is about Bond himself. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the part that kind of, you know, if it was a greater theme about, like, the unjust, like, you know, uh, where people will talk about how um, this past Best Picture winner, um, Parasite, mm-hmm. and the theme of uh, just the disparity of... of uh, of income inequality and how there are like these two different worlds for people at the top and people at the bottom. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that is a theme that is explored throughout the entire movie, but done in such a you know magnificent way that why it deserves a, you know, a best picture. Um, however, uh, you know, if, if they were to just be like to come in every sequence and be like, I'm so poor, they're so rich. That sucks. Then that's kind of the the delicacy that was used in uh, Skyfall for uh, can't teach an old dog new tricks. That movie was and about income equality. Parasite. Yeah, was it? It was. Yeah, there was. Like I said, it was. Subtle. I didn't get it. I'm, um, I'm dumb. I, I I didn't understand. I also couldn't understand anything they were saying. Uh, the copy I was watching, they were all speaking Korean, um, which ironically see, I could not understand. Well, I learned from anime that uh, to always uh, listen to the English dub. Oh, so, okay. And, uh, yeah, and Craig T. Nelson's performance as the dad was exceedingly well done. <laughs> Craig T. Nelson, uh, my, <laughs> my second favorite Nelson. that uh, mm-hmm. has a middle yeah. initial and a first name. <laughs> yes, every, 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 uh, <laughs> every Nelson must have two first names. Yeah. <laughs> to really? act. Okay, I'm going to throw out a crazy idea. Uh, Craig T. Nelson as a coach on a sitcom. Ooh. Coaching Tim Blake Nelson on acting. Uh, ooh. Acting, acting coach. coach. <laughs> acting coach. Where he, he, wants to, he wants the job of coaching the high school basketball team, but as the coach, he also has to coach the or like teach the acting class. <laughs> yeah. So, but he doesn't have the job yet, so he's acting uh-huh. coach. I like it. Well, yeah, that's there you, you go. You know who would be an acting coach? Actually, this this reminds me. So we we're gonna go back up to the top now. Uh, category of best director at the 85th Academy Awards. Best director and the nominees Ooh. that year were David O. Russell for Sylvan Linings Playbook, Steven Spielberg for Lincoln. Uh, ben Zetlin for Beast of the Southern Wild, Michael Hannick for Amour, and Ang Lee for The Life of Pi, and Ang Lee was the winner. Having and not Ben Affleck. That's right. That's, that's what you were saying. He, did, he didn't even get 100% nominated. 100% no Ben Affleck in this category. So, and no. Life of Pi, I think, was worthy of being Best Picture mm-hmm. that year. And that Ang Lee, as, as Best Director, was a, you know... Was, was, it, it made me think, like, as soon as I saw it, I was just like, oh, man, I, you know, Ang Lee won Best Director. Of course, uh, he, you know, Life of Pile actually won Best Picture, and it's worth it. And it's like Argo, and it's like, okay, I mean, Argo's fine. It's, you know, I don't think it necessarily deserved Best Picture that year. Um, but uh, uh, Life of Pi, I think, was more deserving. Silver Linings, Lincoln. I'm actually um, kind of surprised Lincoln. I'm looking at the list. Because the thing I was going to say why Argo won is because I was like, Hollywood loves history films. And then I looked down and I was like, Lincoln, one of the <laughs> yeah, most iconic just history one stories word. all the time. I just like Lincoln. <laughs> By Spielberg. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm kind of surprised that because then they could have at least, 
if they had wanted to, you know, uh, awarded the director and the picture in lot. They didn't have to, but um, yeah, I'm just surprised. You know, it's it's an interesting choice there they made. Um, I what you're pointing out about like to to award the film without awarding the director. Actually, actually, now that you're pointing that out, like that's hitting even harder. Looking at that, um, and and let's say the producers were Grant Heslov, Ben Affleck, and George Clooney. Uh, so you have like Clooney's there associated with it. Hollywood loves that guy, but uh, yeah, they, oh, they love Clooney. That yeah. might have been why the the push over the top for Best Picture. Yeah, um, possibly because I mean, Hollywood, like Clooney is you know King Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely, There's yeah, no question. And he deserves it. He's Clooney. Actually, I, I mean, think... he just like he's that he's he's. You know what the thing about I guess I think with Ben Affleck versus Clooney or or even Brad Pitt or someone What's like that. that where they're all in that, even Damon, they're all in that same boat of caliber actors, big names, everything like that. Mm-hmm. And it seems like Affleck, unlike the rest of the list, is the least likely to make fun of himself or to play a role that seems beneath him. Yeah. And that's the part that's kind of like, come on, man. You know, uh, he's, he's a lot like I think... Um... Bradley Cooper. I was aware of George Clooney before I was aware of Bradley Cooper, mm. uh, but but uh, and so that's why I was sort of what, what I was saying about Bradley Cooper in the the last episode about him being sort of like one of the iconic uh, premier actors of our generation. Um, I think much like Clooney too. It's like where every time you see him, he's going to show up, and he's you know he you know he knows what he's doing, and he, and his charisma, and like he's going to demand uh, uh, the scenes and deliver a great performance. But I was trying to think. He doesn't have any Academy Award wins as a as a lead, though. Um, Clooney, you said. Yes, he does. Yeah, he has a supporting actor for Syriana, and this is his producing Academy Award. But he doesn't have any um, Best Actor awards. Huh. Yeah, I can see that. But I mean, yeah. at the same time, Clooney is like he's more of a movie star than an actor. If that makes sense. That's so. That's like, one of those things. I'm understanding a million times what you're saying, and I have never thought about it that way. And I'm I'm embarrassed because it's it's a simple and yet very important distinction. Yeah, uh, and I get it. But I mean, that's the, like I guess it's that has that's transcendent. It's hard because you have someone mm-hmm. like Jack Nicholson, who is both. Nicholson is both an actor's actor and a movie star. Yeah. Like, um, and you have like, well, I mean, I guess like, as far as movie stars, which is hilarious because Clooney has played Batman and Jack has played Joker, <laughs> uh, which just shows you Batman. the difference. I, so I complete forgetting that Clooney played Batman. Yeah, I, yeah, I he forget totally, he plays he Batman, but that. I can't forget that his nipples played Batman. Uh, oh, his they, yeah, Clooney's nipples as Batman's nipples <laughs> were uh, deserved the Oscar that year. Absolutely. Actually. Best, for best, best, best visual effects or uh, something. Mm-hmm. Best supported actor. Uh, anyway. <laughs> yeah, that is weird. But, but Clooney, yeah, Clooney is such a, mm-hmm. a star. Um, I mean, he he is a good actor. He's a solid, you know. But, I mean, if it's like Clooney could never play a role like Lincoln because you just look like that's George Clooney. It's, you can't really ignore the fact that you're seeing George Clooney on yeah. screen. You need someone... Like if you're if George Clooney's on screen, he's either playing some kind of like, um, like Coen Brothers dolt mm-hmm. that they like to 
cast him as, or he's playing this super serious political operative set on like ending war in the Middle East. That's, yeah. that's a very Clooney type role. Um, but I guess that's where going back to Affleck, Clooney will play those kind of like mm-hmm. self-effacing. I'm an, I'm an idiot roles in films. Damon will play those things. Brad Pitt will play those things. Yep. Um, but Affleck never seems to play a role that makes him look ridiculous. And I think that's kind of a, like, he, he almost comes off as too self-serious. And that's the part where just like, dude, come on. Like you're Ben Affleck. You're, you're a, you're a fine actor. You're a good director. You know, you're a good looking guy, but, uh, come on. Like, don't take yourself so seriously. Oh yeah, yeah, I agree. I, th- I think that is is spot on, and uh, so so that inspired me to think about one of my favorite George Clooney performances, though, and and the reason I am so interested in my thought about this performance from George Clooney is because it's one I could see Bradley Cooper in a role. I. I love this movie the way I love Silver Linings Playbook because of sort of like the realness. It's kind of funny to me. I feel like it's darker if if Silver Linings Playbook is a comedy in a theatrical sense. This film is a tragedy. Um, up in the air. Uh, up in the air. I thoroughly enjoyed actually. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I. I mean, there, there's the. Uh, I'm trying to think. One of the first things they do with, with Anna. I mean, because it has Anna Kendrick. Mm-hmm. In one of her earlier like star kind of supporting roles, yep. And I'm pretty sure that her first like trying to foray into firing someone via video chat, yeah, was um, uh, gosh, why am I forgetting everyone's name? Uh, Who are you thinking? If you, if you, I, I don't know, but if, if I could say his name, remember it because I remember there was some sort. Of, there was looking back, you can see a couple of people and be like, oh yeah, yeah you're uh, something. J.K. Simmons. Oh, was it? Okay. Yeah. It was like he was, you know, and, and Clooney going in to kind of like talk him through mm-hmm. about like changing his mind of like, you know, seeing this as an opportunity and all this kind of stuff and like him trying to get a million sky miles mm-hmm. and, uh, um, but I thought that was a really good acting role. I mean, like, like we said, you know, I think he, you're right. He does a lot of sort of movie star things. Um, yeah. But because it was a simpler, like it wasn't an action film. It wasn't a political film. It was just sort of right. like deconstructing, uh, but but some really deep themes about sort of like modernity and and industries that are disappearing, travels and relationships, really afforded a lot of room for some acting. Uh, and, and he did a great job. But it also allowed that. Clooney to be Clooney, which mm-hmm. is just be a charming guy. Yeah. Just like, you know, that that's like his his actual job is just being a super charming guy. And whenever you give him that job as his job in his job, uh, yeah, he can pull it off, you know, as good as anyone else. The same thing with the whole like Tom Hanks theory of yep. like Tom Hanks evolving into the role of a man who's just mm-hmm. good at his job. And yeah. It's like Sully or, uh, you know, Captain Phillips, any, any kind of captain role. Yeah. He's just good at his job. And it's like, yeah, you believe Tom Hanks. Like, you could hire Tom Hanks to do anything, mm-hmm. and he's going to be employee in the month that month. I'm, I'm going to throw out a hypothetical casting for a Up in the Air remake that, once again, changes the context. But I'm loving this idea jokingly. Uh, so George Clooney's character, 
is replaced with Christoph Waltz, the job hunter. Uh, <laughs> he just Most jobs <laughs> seen that as the rat. <laughs> yeah, I just had, I love walks into the Waltz's. office building and everybody's just all tense and they know the start. <laughs> and t and Tim Tim Blake Nelson as the Delta Sky oh, card. I love it. It's so good. You're almost at a million. <laughs> oh wait, you know what? They've Tim Blake Nelson and George Clooney. Um, oh brother, where art thou? Oh brother, where art thou? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, which was another. Uh, that's another. Oh man. Yeah, yeah. Clooney Clooney puts in. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's but that's what the uh, Coens, mm -hmm. like, you know, Clooney's most out there performances come usually at the hand of the Coens. Yeah. Which is great. It's always the Coens will always kind of take someone and kind of stretch their, you know, what their perception is. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, even with uh, Clooney in um, was a uh, burn after reading mm -hmm. with also J.K. Simmons and. Uh, Clooney, Clooney's character in that, he was just, he was this paranoid, just, like, fit, I, I can't remember if it was a political, you know, someone in politics or something that seems about Clooney, but his role of just being that super paranoid guy, uh, super outside of his character range, but then you have, um, uh, Brad Pitt, on the other hand, playing the thing that people always thought about Brad Pitt, as, you know, early in his career, being, like, kind of the, the ditzy fit guy. Yeah. But yeah, the Coens have just you know, but he, you know, but they go back to um, Javier Bardem and making just a, a megastar out of Javier Bardem for Anton Chigurh. In like a role that you just did not see Javier Bardem playing, and then you can't see him play anything else. Yeah. No, absolutely. Um. Let's see. I have lost track because I didn't have any like rhyme or reason for for the order we went in. Uh, we did best actor, best director, best actress, best picture, supporting actor. Um, oh, we didn't do supporting actress. Uh, best adapted and original screenplays, and then we shot down to animated film. So we'll go back up to best supporting actress. But is there any other major category? that year that we met it was only nominated for five silver lines playbook that is so it, um we don't necessarily have to go in and discuss anything else uh but is there any other category you're interested in um no just I any think notables that, yeah. all right well, let's, in a supporting role would probably be the pop back to uh the best in. supporting actress role that year um and the nominees were jackie weaver for silver linings playbook helen hunt fantastic the set the sessions uh sally field lincoln amy adams as the master and anne hathaway won for limis so, so how do you um, how do you think their call was on on that category so i'm a big anne hathaway fan absolutely my favorite um, disney princess of course and that's the thing she she kind of like got locked into that disney uh role pretty early and wanted to really kind of make mm -hmm. a name for herself independently um i think she did a, a wonderful job with uh, rachel getting married yep which i think was one of her first nominations if not a win I'm gonna check that out. Yeah. As I'm. It's fine. I think she's an actress that's best when she's like pushing herself, like like 
she's great in all those not lady roles. She's good in the regular, in the Disney roles. Right. Right. Like, um, which, and I totally get why someone would do all those. Um, just that's what everybody gets into acting for. You want to do that. And, you know, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I'm not, uh, I try not to be super judgmental on these critiques. It's just sort of like, I've, I've really liked her performances in some of the, the more out there things, but I, I love her yeah. always. She's yeah. She's just she's, she's a theater kid. Probably. She loves mm-hmm. doing it. She she's like a. Uh, I would say I would compare her similarly to, even though she hasn't gone as like physical transformation as a Christian Bale, but similar to a Christian Bale as far as how mm. intently she approaches roles like that. That's a ri- like, but also just capable of having like a lot of fun with her choices from anything, you know, from either this with Les Miserables, where she, you know, when I saw her in theater, when she hit a specific line uh, singing it, um, the way she sung the line really, you know, brought tears to my eyes. It was a very, very cool performance. Um, But from, you know, something as meaningful as that to, you know, Devil Wears Prada that she's fantastic in. It's a super underrated movie. Dude, that is one of my guilty pleasures, yeah. The intern with Robert De Niro, where she plays like the she plays the heart and soul of that movie mm-hmm. that De Niro is just happens to be like the greatest old guy ever, and she you know has to be that boss that makes you know that brings him in and like you know is believable while running a business and you know uh, having you know having to deal with all of her life and then De Niro kind of being there. I mean, it felt almost like more her movie than his in a yeah. lot of ways. Um, but no, I was super happy for Anne Hathaway to finally get like an Oscar uh, that particular this particular year. Um, kind of it, it. These are all toss ups. First of all, I already see based off this list because I did not see Helen Hunt in this list. And I yeah. was like, holy crap! I just you know we like what seven hours ago when we started talking. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I. Uh, mentioned Helen Hunt and I missed her and so I like I need to see the sessions so I can see Helen Hunt again. Mm-hmm. Um Jackie Weaver in Silver Lang's playbook, fantastic as I uh, the mom. Yep. Um and uh the the closest to any kind of rational sanity uh in the entire movie. Uh just incredibly sweet but concerned. You can you can feel the tension that she's dealing with mm-hmm. in trying to bring Pat home but also wanting him to be home and part of the family um and she did win some awards for that that role she won the uh, a a c t a award i don't know what that is it's an international and uh a critics choice uh and an ensemble award um and the nice. aarp <laughs> yeah the aarp award, award which um, is always you know but i mean yeah def- definitely it was especially given how um like some of the least uh least uh, screen time and and lines too, and just like creates such uh, a great character in a very in I don't want to call it a small role, but you know just so- somebody else might not have done as much given what they had to work with. Well, I would say that the the one reason I I can think of like to point to Silver Lines Playbook of why she was nominated for this role is the emotional impact she brought that movie just for the one shot. Of whenever um, uh, Bradley Cooper and Jennifer Lawrence are dancing at the end, mm-hmm. and they're dancing, they're doing this like tap dance routine, 
as this like kind of jazzy number and it does the kind of obligatory cut to the reaction shot yeah but her reaction shot with every other element she delivers it you can tell she's so proud of her son in that moment and it really comes across and it changes the feel of that you know of them dancing to a moment where you're just like you know she she finally feels like she made the right decision getting him out when she did Mm-hmm. And like that, you know, provides a, a completely different layer and a different impact to the climax of that movie. Whenever they find out that they all scored a five, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm not even gonna say I love that scene because I I could go through the whole movie and say there's so many parts of it. Um, but yeah, yeah, I sort of I sort of don't know enough about the, all the different roles. I thought she was great, but I'm, I, you know, I think Han Hathaway. That was when you pick Anne Hathaway to get a, a Best Supporting Actress Academy Award too. It's almost like trying to get away with giving two leading actor actress uh, awards. They, not in a, not in a bad way. Just like you know, I don't blame them. That's that's what they do. That's a nice field too, though. I mean, Anne Hathaway, Amy Adams, Sally Field, Helen Hunt, Jackie. Well, that's, that's not one of them that I I think poorly of in the least. Well, I love them all. That was the other part. It's like as, as much as like for the equal. Um, as much as I feel great for Anne Hathaway finally having an Oscar, I feel terrible for Amy Adams as to not having one yet. Because mm-hmm. I, you know, if you would have swapped that and Amy Adams had one, uh, had one for the Master, which she very well could have because she was incredible in the Master. But uh, yeah, then it'd be just the exact opposite conversation where we're talking about how Amy Adams, is, you know, is the same as this Dynamo is always great, whatever role she plays. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, you know, and deserve that. Oscar that night, but Anne Hathaway deserves it now. Um, you know, it, it, I don't know. I don't, I, I, Amy Adams probably suffers from that same kind of like uh, consistent, like a Bradley Cooper, where it's like yep. she's so consistently good in anything she plays that um, you know, it's 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 hard to see how yeah. great she is all the time, but she is. And I think I would I would would like to see her in some more sort of out there roles too because i think she i think she can do it and i think if she wants like she could win some of those awards if she does i I say that i'm not giving career advice to somebody who clearly knows what they're doing um (laughs) but it's yeah uh uh, i also um (laughs) and then sally that's what i I was was just about saying like I almost Which feel like I, I'm, that was feel, Anne Hathaway's like a young Sally Field in some ways, uh, in, I guess in their yeah, I mean, charmingness. Like in the, yeah, if they if they if okay, uh, w- this is such a sidetrack, and I hate to go here, but I can't stop myself now. If they were going to recast Smokey and the Bandit, which they better not do, <laughs> who you got besides Tim Blake Nelson? Uh, I was just gonna say Tim Blake Nelson in every role, fair uh, enough, professor style. Yeah, I like it. Okay, I'm sold. Except, you know what? Uh, I would have Sheriff Buford T. Justice as Christoph Waltz. Christoph Waltz. Uh, like that. Um, I'm going to look. Okay, crazy. I'll okay. allow it. And that okay. one, that one rule. It, it would be a different. It would be a different take on it. But he just, uh, yeah, he's like, okay, I, that was so. Far. <laughs> anyway. But no, I'm glad that Sally Field was. Uh, was nominated. I thought she did a great performance as Mary Todd, like slowly unraveling, mm-hmm. while Abraham Lincoln is trying to to pass, a, you know, emancipation, and uh, she's just like, you know, she can't help it. She, mm-hmm. She's going through her thing, and she needs a husband, and 
and Lincoln's off, you know, trying to do, you know, playing politics, mm-hmm. and her son's going off to war, and but I I I, I can't think of Sally Field uh, without thinking. I can't remember who, if it was my, maybe an Amy Schumer bit about how in like as far as the rules for women in Hollywood, whatever in the movie Punchline. Uh, Sally Field was Tom Hanks's girlfriend, and then in Forrest Gump, she plays his mom. <laughs> but I was happy to see kind of the reversal, where even though Mary Todd was like historically older than Lincoln, uh-huh. um, that uh, uh, I don't like. But that's the thing; I don't even know if Daniel Day Lewis is that much younger than Sally Field. Maybe he is. I, I can never tell how old Daniel Day Lewis is. He seems like. Forever and also twenty. Yeah, he started looking like older, but not in a bad way. But then, like, never aged from that, and is only a few years old. Like, I still remember him from Last of the Mohicans, and I'm like, you're clearly not sixteen in that role, but like, you've looked great uh, forever after that as well, because that is way longer ago than I, I think of. So, was, yeah, yeah, Daniel Day-Lewis is 63 years old, and Sally Field is 73 years old. How about that? Actually, research. I mean, I, I have a phone and a tablet uh, at my right and say, left hand and a computer open. In front of us. But I will say Google is quite, uh, or at least the searches for Google, slightly sexist. Because if I look up just Daniel Day-Lewis, the search results are movies, net worth, wife, height, tattoos, Academy Awards. When I look up Sally Field, it is Sally Field movies, Sally Field net worth, Sally Field age. <laughs> oh, followed by Sally Field died. Is that true? Well, it better That's not be true. true. No, no. We no. can't find out on the Silver Linings play. No, yeah, I know. But I'm no, just, she's, I, there's no she's way. still alive. Okay. I, I'm right. pretty sure it would have told me whenever it said 73. Yeah. She was 73. Well, you know, because well, she looks super young for so long. Two, so I mean, it it would be fair to say like that could have been a legitimate query the other way, of like how old is that woman? She's been around longer than that, right? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, she's also still like relevant. Uh-huh. I mean, you know, just uh, just being in Lincoln. Yeah. Like, yes, yeah, Sally Field's still cooking. Well, we'll talk about like what I always see it as like if if there was an acting Hall of Fame, we talk about this moment in our in our friend conversations numerous times, but I think I think Sally Field has one of the greatest moments of acting that I can instantaneously think of when I think of movies at the end of Mrs. Doubtfire when when exactly. she finds out and and that three three instances of reciting the same line with like the whole time the whole time the whole time like the whole time she tells yeah. a story repeating the same line and tone it works it's it's really good acting it's super great, it's, and yeah, I mean, I think that like Sally Field became famous to a whole new generation through Mrs. Doubtfire, because mm-hmm. she was just like, oh yeah, the, because she was like, she was uh, manic and and upset through a lot of the movie, but she was also extremely funny, mm-hmm. and but like had to kind of like shoulder the burden of playing the serious like you know the the straight guy to Robin Williams as Robin yep. Williams. But still was able to get some comedy in there. Whenever you're acting against Robin Williams, like yeah. that's a that is a I, skill set. Yeah, that completely. That, but yeah, no, that's that uh, yeah, Sally Field in that particular role of yeah. 
Well, that's so, so great. Well, this uh, I'm not I'm not quite done because I got a couple of topics that I, I want to talk to you about everybody. But this has been super fun talking about the different awards. I think we we sufficiently went over all the major categories from the 85th annual Academy Awards from 2013. So uh, thank you so much for your knowledge on that. That was great. A lot of good. Well, insight. thank you, Oscars.org, for all <laughs> Oscar knowledge uh, as far as who won it. Yeah. So um, so the. Part of the longer, the, the bigger themes of my podcast are, I have a couple questions that I want to find out. One, um, just, I know this, but for the viewers, uh, Mr. Xano, uh, you are in a relationship, are you not, right now? I am in a relationship. Yeah. How long have you been in a relationship? Uh, we will be celebrating three years together uh, this Saturday. Fantastic. And I know her, and I think she's fantastic, and you guys are awesome together, so very cool. Um, and that, and the reason that becomes important is because I, there is an element of Silver Linings Playbook that I'm so curious about, um, and and I think it's a great movie because uh, men seem to love it, women seem to love it. They're uh, not. I don't even like to make the stereotype of like this kind of movies for women, this kind of movies for men. It just it across the boards. I get positive reactions from all sorts of demographic groups when I talk about this movie, but. Uh, I talked to a lot of men who watched this movie and dumb boys like me upon first viewing were always like, oh, Tiffany's got a crush on this dude. She clearly she's being mean to him. She clearly likes from the very beginning. I've I've talked to several women and after having read the book and having different interpretations, they talk about how Tiffany was and, and I see it now. Um was really looking for a friend maybe in the beginning too that maybe like she was offering to, to sleep with Pat because that's how she knew to make friends was to offer something that she thought would make men like her that's the characters but so do you have any thoughts or feelings about when you feel like well if, if you feel like that interpretation is true that she just wanted to be friends up front uh, when she falls in love with him, when she sort of changes from trying to be friends, or do you think that she she was in love with him the whole time? Hmm. I don't think so. I mean, I think initially she's just like, oh, you know, as the first real connection that they make together that mm -hmm. you can it sparks the screen. We were joking or uh, laughing about it. it's a discussion about medications yep. that they're both on. And that's like that is the the first moment where it kind of sparks when they're tr they're trying to have a pleasant dinner conversation. You're like, oh, Tiffany's doing a dance thing and she's yep. really coming along, and you're just like, okay, you know, why are you going to talk about me like that in front of everyone? And uh, you know, oh, Pat, you know, Pat knows fun facts, and he does the whole okay thing, which mm -hmm. is the perfect amount of a lame fun fact. Yeah, like it's just interesting <laughs> enough that you're like, oh, okay, and then you're with yep. back with them where you're like. Okay, what else are you gonna? What else you got? So, um, but yeah, as soon as they start talking about the medication, you can tell that they have like, they have a connection, and it's like, uh -huh. oh, this guy's kind of screwed up. I get that. So yeah, you know, th we're not fitting. Like Jennifer Lawrence is the smarter one of the two, clearly, mm -hmm. the one who's like, we're not fitting in here. Why don't you walk me home? Yep. And I think that's the moment where it's just like you know. I, I, I don't like I don't think she knows exactly what she wants out of necessarily just yep. as much as I'm enjoying his company 
and we can relate in a way that I, my sister and I cannot relate in a way that anyone else seems yeah. to not be able to relate. To it's hard to make friends as an adult too. Like legitimately. So, so I understand that that's, um, and I think there's a lot of issues in society with that and misinterpreted cues and, and stuff. Uh, I know because, uh, some men and women meet and there's sort of that dynamic of, are they going to be friends? Are they romantically interested in one another? And, and you know just going off of sort of some basic uh social anthropological principles um you know i think there's there's different cues that people can interpret differently uh you know well without a doubt she definitely knows that he is attracted to her at i mean the first things out of his mouth you know are like you're you know you look good or you're pretty or something like that and then he immediately walks it back as if, like, he has to check with his wife about, with his ex-wife about, you know, how he just related to her. Uh-huh. Like, just like, you're very pretty, you know, sorry, I'm practicing to, to uh, you know, tell my wife that she's pretty next time I see her. Yep. You know, but it's always, like, how, you know, but then there's the, the shots of him glancing at her and her catching it. So, I mean, I would say that, you know, initially her reactions to him are like, you know, this guy finds me attractive um and you know we can relate about this thing so it's like we're gonna walk home and then she yeah i mean i could see it kind of playing both ways where it's not necessarily like you know it could be as much a test as it is a genuine offer where she's just like you know you want to come inside you know they can't hear us you know i want to see what kind of guy you actually are yep and then and put that you know that that love of you know your marriage to the test here and see if you're just a guy I throw away or are you a guy that's actually, like, a good guy. And, he, you know, he does. He's like, I can't, you know, I'm not, I'm married and, you know, whatever. Um, and she's just like, I think, that not that the moment whenever she agrees to um, get the letter? Uh-huh. Or is that Wait, in, uh, is that in, well, she... Uh, she agrees. Um, he proposes it at the diner. Okay, so it's the diner. Where, that's right. That's right. Yeah, because I think she's like, I could take a letter to you, but the, uh, but that yeah. sort of uh, transaction goes sour there. So there. So yeah, I remember, it, it is actually confirmed that she'll do it. Like okay, later, because it because uh, it, it's a um, a deal with the dancing. It's that if you do the dancing, right. Uh, but I, I remember. I think the moment that she really f- kind of starts to fall for him. Is whenever he's at the door trying to find her, okay, yeah, and that other guy comes up, and he is like, he kind of tells the guy off, like, you know, for once there's a guy, and he does it in front of her parents too. He's just like, he's extremely honest with the guy. He's like, you shouldn't be doing this to her. She's, you know, she's in a really messed up place. She's vulnerable, and you're trying to take advantage of it, and it's not cool. That is definitely one of the spots that I I feel is one of the contenders. So. So that's great. That's um, I think you very well could be right. This is the, so that's the interesting thing. That's one of the things I want to ask all all my guests, and I'm very curious to ask uh, couples. I would like to get couples to watch the movie sometime, and then like independently ask uh, the different parties, male or female, or male, male or female, or whoever, just and just ask different pairs of people when they they feel that happened. Uh, one of the other big questions that I want to solve over the course of this. Um, 10-year podcast uh Hmm. 520 episodes um and then a movie 
Uh, uh, I love what, it. What um, what do you think was whispered in Nikki's ear at the very end? Oh, whenever. Yep. Uh, yeah. Because mm-hmm. yeah, because huh? That is a good question. Yeah, I've I, had. Uh, hmm? Based off of like, because it's the last thing he says to her. Right? Yep. Mm-hmm. So I would say it's like a, you know. They're checking in. They say everything's good. I'm pretty sure you know he's like. I would knowing Pat at that moment, I would say like you know. Thank you, or something. I th- some kind of. I think you're right. Some kind of act of gratefulness that I- she. <laughs> And, you know, she ended it in a way that he did not see at the time, but now sees was for the best. I seem to be remembering, and I should have reread this before I, I did this, but uh, David, David O. Russell doesn't tell you what he says, but I think he did an interview in an article where he sort of alluded to what the um, what was happening in that tran- uh, that conversation. And I believe what he he said was that Pat is sort of thanking her and like and allowing her to move on, like the way in movies where people help ghosts uh, move on once they yeah. It's like it was a sixth sense moment. Yeah, well, I mean that um, was like the uh, what do you call it? Like the 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 book I'm reading on like uh, like creating story arc. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the aspects is like you know the main character's ghost and Tiffany yeah. is, or not Tiffany um his wife. What was his wife's name? Which one? Uh, Tiffany? Nikki? Past Nikki. wife? Nikki? Yeah. Yeah. My name's Nick. How do they not remember Nikki? Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so Nikki is his ghost as uh, example by that song that, you know, that, that consistently plays yep. and whatnot. My um, Sherry Amore by Stevie Wonder. There you go. But uh, he, yeah, he, uh, you know, he literally faces the ghost and yeah, puts it, mm-hmm. puts it away. Like, lets it, lets it go. Um, so yeah, so I mean, I could definitely see it being, you know, a moment where, especially Uh the first things that they say, you know, is that he looks good, he's read the lit, he's done all the things he said he was going to do to try and win her back, and that moment realizes that, you know, having, having realized that the letter was from Tiffany earlier, Mm -hmm. I think that, you know, that night he, he was all about Tiffany and wanted to kind of get a, you know have that perfect moment for her um but she did not realize that at the time yep so no yeah, I, I think that is a fantastic fantastic uh analysis of that and it's probably it's probably correct uh we'll definitely have you on a future episode my guess was always that that he leaned over and whispered uh ray i'm force sensitive and which didn't make any con- sense in that context, but uh, who knows? I'm not a Hollywood writer. See, now I feel so. like I, I was too, like, as soon as you said that, I was like, ah, oh, I answered way too self-seriously. I feel like Ben Affleck <laughs> right now. No. I can see why people hate him, because I'm just like, you ask a question that was a perfect opportunity for a joke, and I'm like, this is what I actually think on the record. No, I, I had to do that because you gave such a good answer, so it's like, then, if, if I had gone first, then I could have had an inferior answer, but you gave a beautiful answer, so... I wanted to do it, but that was a that dude. This has been super fun. Um, I have enjoyed having you on this so much, and you know I always enjoy talking to you. But like having a little bit more of a guided conversation too for the podcast. You were uh, a great guest. Will you come back and discuss some more topics with us in the future? 
absolutely anytime um as long as i'm wanted like i said if uh if the listenership goes down to one then uh yeah then i can understand not being asked back but as long as i'm invited i'm happy to be back absolutely, absolutely. super fun <laughs> well thank you so much we'll be looking uh looking for you and all your projects and wonderful stuff nick Asano. Uh, i've been jb ward thank you guys for tuning in to the silver linings playcast this has been the silver linings playcast uh probably the only podcast devoted completely to silver linings playbook uh guys we will see you down the road